Right, we're rolling. On this podcast, we'll be talking about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. This is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Social Antics. Uh, recording on Saturday, Dave. Yeah, that's because you bought a fucking dog. Another one. <laughs> another dog. I got, we, remember, we usually record this on a Wednesday. And I was after doing all my research and working very, very hard for hours and hours, slogging to understand what we were going to talk about in the podcast. And I get a message. Oh yeah, I'm just after leaving Dublin now. And I've got another dog. We don't, we can't do <laughs> the podcast I didn't get the dog today. in Dublin. Oh, I got you the dog, no, essential services. I was up in Dublin for work. Uh, getting me in trouble already. But, oh no, the inter-county thing is gone, isn't it? Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, oh, you're fine. Right, so. Oh no, you're not an illegal person anymore. No, no, not an illegal person anymore. No, it's a cork dog. What? It's a cork dog. It's a cork dog? It's a cork dog. What's the dog's name? Odie. Why Odie? I don't know why <laughs> it just came up and we liked it but anyway we're recording on a Saturday not sure what day it's going to go up but we're recording on a Saturday which is unusual for us but um, an exciting pop up for you this week um, exciting is probably stretching in a small bit but just to touch on a story that we covered a few I don't know weeks ago months ago I don't know I'm not sure at this stage I don't stage. know what the story yeah. is so I can't um, Airbnb so okay. we said that they were going to cut their uh, marketing budget by about kind oh, of ninety yeah. percent, predominantly in the kind of um in the performance marketing stuff. So by performance marketing, we mean social media advertising, Google adverts, and so on and so forth. So, um, the some of the results are starting to come out for this. So um, ninety percent of the brand's traffic uh, to their digital platform has come from unpaid or direct sources, even after making this particular uh, particular cut, which kind of reinforces that their strategy is is um is working. Um, their overall uh, year-to-year marketing spend was cut by 28% of Q1 um, uh, to about $229 million. Um, and this is predominantly reflected again in a decrease in kind of performance marketing. So what Airbnb have said is that their revenue has risen by about 5% year-on-year to about uh, just under $1 billion uh, in Q1 of uh, this year. Um and overall they are still on course to post a loss of about 1.2 billion dollars so again like all of these tech companies there is a big issue around um whether they're actually sustainable or not long term like people are investing and they're worth what they are because of the potential in the future but again airbnb uber etc they're all losing an incredible amount of money Um, airbnb currently losing about 1.2 billion dollars so it's um it's interesting, but what they did is that they've actually launched, or a couple of months ago, they launched their first kind of branded campaign for like the last five mm. years. They had been mainly focusing on performance marketing, which was called uh, Made Possible by the Host. And I thought it was actually, I actually did a bit of research on it. It's very, very cleverly done. All it does is pick a number of hosts, um, goes onto people's Instagram feeds, looks at the experience that people had with the hosts on uh, Airbnb, whatever the case was, and then they have a backing track of whatever song that they want and just literally have a slideshow and they are getting millions of views on this across YouTube, Instagram and another of other kind of areas. So it's an interesting year to do this though. Like is it the right like not that it's not the right year, but like they're cutting budget in a year that they don't really need to be doing a massive amount in terms of, you know, actually advertising. No, well, yeah, you know yeah, I mean? no, it's like, a straight no, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be it's I would say it's pretty unscientific to be looking at whether this is the right strategy to work or not. Um But they're also now they're looking like so for example, like I don't know when we covered this, maybe we just heard argument sake, say two months ago. If they are looking at now over two months in we have no advertising going out, all this kind of stuff, but next thing oh our sales are picking up. Of course your sales are picking up because people the are pandemic, going, yeah, people exactly. Are going, no, it's not it's not it's not that there's it, Correlation and causation are And I've very, seen very a lot things. of that lately, you know, that all oh, figures are down, figures are this. Of course they are. It's down across the board for a lot of sectors. It's a, it, it's, it's a weird market environment at the moment. So I think it, it all this shows is that Airbnb are doubling down in terms of their strategy. They are convinced that no, our brand is strong enough to sustain our business and grow our business based on... Um, based on um, based on direct traffic and organic traffic in relation to their brand. And to be fair to them... And we mentioned it last week in relation to Just Eat, Uber Eats and so on and so forth and how they're cannibalizing each other because they're spending so much on marketing and advertising. 
the primary issue that Airbnb are going to have is that they are going to have to become profitable at some point and mm. therefore they have to make savings and show that their business is sustainable in the long run. One of the most obvious ways to cut that is your marketing budget after you've already built up your brand. So it's an interesting strategy and as long as they can maintain their um as long as they can maintain the amount of traffic and the amount of revenue and grow it organically and we haven't seen a, a, an organic brand growth in a while realistically speaking so it's going to be very very interesting what that does to their valuation over the next 12 months because if they can sustain it they will be one of the most valuable companies in terms in of um in terms of that industry it's like if you think about it, there's not many like obviously yes like if probably if you think about it in terms of old new kind of competition yes they're in competition with the b&b's the hotels all that kind of stuff but there's no real to me anyway looking from the outside there's no real competition for them in terms of a platform that does that for for private home renting no there's no one else so like is is there room for someone else to come in like from from a from a host point of view for the person that owns the house they just need to upload to a new platform in a sense they do but it's very difficult right because like with with there's a bit so if you take just eat for example Mm. if you were to launch a new food ordering platform your purchasers are in the locality within which that um, platform exists so you could launch a new food platform in london and it could work quite well in london on foot of whatever strategy that you have with airbnb you need to cultivate local supply Mm -hmm. but then establish a global audience because obviously people travel right so unless you know you are going to a place that services airbnb you're not going to go on to airbnb whereas nowadays you're pretty confident that if i'm booking airbnb it's global so for a brand to cultivate that level of searchability it's a it would be an incredible challenge for them now could you see a scenario where maybe booking.com or someone like that who don't have anywhere near the brand power that airbnb do start opening up but could they start opening up something they could and that would be that would be um that would give them a competitive um Mm -hmm. slant because they've already got the hotels and stuff like that but then booking.com aren't very strong on things like experiences which airbnb are all about exactly it's more focused on hotels and to be fair to airbnb they have cultivated quite a strong brand in relation to the host in and of themselves and they do place a lot of emphasis on if you are hosting someone you need to almost treat it like a hotel like you do need to treat people correctly and there was actually an interesting study done by an academic a number of years ago where it was it was linked in with the airbnb campaign of kind of um a live local when you're abroad kind yeah. of a thing so live like the local exactly yeah, exactly yeah. yeah so they did a thing where they basically did an analysis of the host home and what they found is that in a lot of hosts, they will kind of almost overemphasize the cultural significance yeah. of certain things when they're designing their home or in terms of photography and all that kind of stuff, the photographs that they have. So it really does give you that kind of exaggerated cultural experience that people want because they don't get it in a hotel. So very, very um, impressive, I think, in terms of um, in terms of what they have managed to do. But um, will someone manage to compete? It's going to be very, very difficult. But again, they have to get, they have to become profitable soon. Yeah. I think what you kind of mentioned there a few minutes ago in terms of like their their campaigns and their online activity. I think their Instagrams is one of the it's probably one of the nicest feeds to follow. But like they're putting out all their content is a, from robbing basically from other people's pages of yeah. experiences as you, as you said. Like, but obviously they're picking and choosing the the top level stuff oh, like, and, how, oh, not, and a lot of them are cultivated it's not Mary down the West Cork like, oh no 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 like, I, like I, I've used Airbnb a number of times now I think they're a great brand and it's a great service and all the rest of it but like I remember a number of years ago probably told the story before but we went to Reykjavik being a group mm. of lads and we showed up to the the Airbnb and your one had forgot to put the key in the fucking lock so we know where to stay right. and you're literally ringing Airbnb going like we were very young at the time so yeah. we didn't have the John, whatever thousand euros that we needed to go down to the hotel and book it so like we needed to get that money in off airbnb quick and then try and find a hotel and it wasn't easy to find a hotel so like those things can happen as well and if something goes wrong my god does it go wrong like you know but overall their brand is very very strong and it's again it's it's a little bit refreshing i think because again like you know and any of the listeners will know i'm big on paid Mm -hmm. i think paid is like organic growth is very very hard to achieve no matter what size your business or your brand is um but Airbnb are really giving it a good a good go in terms of what they're in terms of what they're doing in terms of their overall brand and strategy. When you talk about brand and stuff like that, it's interesting. Like even if if another competitor comes into the market and you think about say the likes of Google or whatever, 
like will I think even people are already doing it like you know oh I'll Airbnb it do you know will, oh, yeah. that, will that become the phrase of that industry you know oh it is local, it, like, are, you know? it already is it's I mean no one says oh I'll get a booking.com yeah or I'll get a Trivago it it's, it's not a thing yeah. like you know, people say oh we Airbnb we get an Airbnb yeah. like do you know what I mean same way you know, I, get a, I get a Halo back in the day yeah, or whatever yeah. Halo taxi so like it's very very um, like that's, that's very serious, like, like they can sit and retire happy nearly when you get to that level like you know, oh, that, yeah. that's a that's the top they level they own really. the space in the consumer's yeah. mind there's not many brands that can do that which is great so is there anything else there that kind of popped up for you this week? Um, Bitcoin are in trouble again. Things that I don't know, what, I don't like talking about because I have a clue what it is. Elon <laughs> Elon Musk is making decisions and manipulating the market as per usual. Um, I just love he's just he's kind of gone that way now. Really on Twitter, he's just kind of putting out random tweets just to start. He should shit. be in fucking jail, is that he should be? It's blatant market manipulation. Yeah. Now you could okay, you can argue that. Bitcoin isn't a market it's a currency but like it, it's ridiculous he's yeah. been doing this for years and no one is pulling him up on it like when you can manipulate uh, the value of a currency and let, let, let's it, call it, it is, a currency it is, because well, it's, it's it, not yeah. but it's, it's like people are saying that it is um, and you can influence that by a tweet that's dangerous it like is, that's yeah. incredibly We've dangerous we about Trump but like he's he's up there in terms of that as well oh he's war and he's the richest man in the world at the moment like so when you've that level of power again rules don't apply to everyone you've got a few bob like but I mean so uh, Bitcoin's price fell by about 14% to dip just below about $49,000 uh, per Bitcoin on Wednesday um, it rebounded a little bit afterwards to about $50,000 on, on Thursday um, but this is basically after um Tesla, who had previously bought about $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin, basically said they won't be pulling any more transactions using Bitcoin. And the reason that he gave was because of the rapidly increasing use of fossil fuels for Bitcoin mining and transactions, which at the moment uses more energy than the whole country of Argentina um, due to the computer solving complicated calculations, which is basically the backbone of the cryptocurrency. Um, as if he didn't know that already mm. when he initially he's, made that he's investment. obviously one of the most environmentally friendly or friendly guys out there like you know who must <laughs> oh he is yeah but it's fuck yeah let's launch Very a rocket to the fucking sure moon the like yeah yeah um, no to be fair to Musk like to be fair to Musk Musk is one of these guys that is he the kind of person that you need to change the world he is mm. he's he's an innovator he's iconic he's very very forward thinking but that doesn't mean that he can just get away with this stuff yeah. do you know what i mean and i think it's again without be, and you can see it at the moment like like i don't know if you if you follow like you're not on tiktok that often but like literally if you go on to tiktok or twitter it's a group of day traders they won't even call them day traders so they don't know what they're doing but they're going on to revolut etaro buying up currency making a huge amount of money on it but it's not linked to anything there's no value no, I just, of I really anything just don't, I haven't gotten into it I don't get it I don't see how it's a currency I don't I don't I, I, I've no interest in it Um, maybe I probably should Um, have you gotten involved in it? yeah yeah I've got, yeah. I've got look it's one of those things that will you be buying a Tesla with it? no <laughs> couldn't afford it even <laughs> um, no look it's, it, it, look it's one of those things I think it's interesting it's an investment opportunity do you know, like there, like there's examples there now. Like there's a new coin out there at the moment called Shiva, and I think if you had invested something like a fiver in Shiva, was it a month ago? It's now worth like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something. Do you know what I mean? Like there is, like there are, like it is an incredible. It's, it's almost hard, like the dot com push to get a fiver off someone now. But if you told them, be worth quarter million there now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like it's one of those things that it and it's uh, to be fair. No, there's a lot of young people involved in this. All the people don't understand it. They don't un understand this idea of that you can't just buy it. Mm. You have to buy Bitcoin or buy um, and transfer that into Binance and use Binance to buy it up buy the currency of PancakeSwap if it's not on an exchange. Like it is a complicated enough process in terms of how we would understand how currencies actually. Um, actually work but like for me like i'm investing in ripple xrp and a few of the other ones as well i've got a few a few quid in dodge and stuff or dogecoin and stuff like that just because it's funny to watch it more so than anything <laughs> else but i mean there's there's an intrinsic value in some of these coins in terms of the impact that they can have in the future in terms of how we do business but other than or other than that if you're calling something a currency i fundamentally do not believe until someone is willing to be paid in that currency yes, that yes. it can be considered a currency yeah um, I, I i think that that is that's a really good point like i i think when you have the likes of you know i must tweet note that tesla are now you know accepting this or you know you can buy a tesla car with it um 
that's one thing to kind of have those stunts we call them a stunt but as you said to have someone actually being paid like I would not like my weekly wage to be paid through something I've never seen don't know what it is can't physically but can you imagine getting like like, can you imagine you get paid on a Friday and by the Friday evening the value of your paycheck has dropped by 14% now now it could also go up the way but it's so volatile that you can't like it's not a currency in terms of how we understand now could it be the way of the future absolutely um, it could be it makes sense it's decentralised um, it, it doesn't have as much linkages with kind of things like central bank or yeah bank but that's the thing like, like it could be decentralised and it could be you know as you're saying it's not having links but the thing is like that to me that's worse like it, there's no control. regulation or control on it like, uh, do you want regulation though regulation's kind of screwed over at least over. I know I have something that's valuable somewhere yeah, yeah. you know, no, there is. Yeah, there, there someone is. just com- you know, control all delete on it somewhere like, no, no, hundred, no, hundred, no, there, no I have to say no I absolutely agree with you so I think it's just a, from, from a marketing perspective more so than ever before and marketing has been linked with currency fluctuations for years in terms of how a, how a country is positioned vis-a-vis their currency and stuff like that um, and we've seen the same with stocks the story behind Bitcoin is it's one of the most incredible, I think, marketing stories of all time. And uh, doggy coin, or whatever you want to call it, is even more so. Like, that coin was created as a joke. It's worthless. It doesn't do anything. Musk is saying now that he's going to work with um, uh, Dogecoin devs to increase the um, the efficiency of that um, of that currency in terms of its um, its ability to, to, to um, process transactions and stuff like that. Which, again, is fine. But it's a pure marketing stunt. Like, for a currency to be developed as a joke where I think the original founder sold all of his Dogecoin for a Honda or something like that back in the day goes the story like it's an incredible story of something which is completely valueless having so much value it's like we work so when you when you um when you don't show up for a week I know you're after hitting the big time with a cryptocurrency for oh, a I'm waiting person. I'm waiting for it because what it is like I have to say from a gamification point of view like I wouldn't if it was me pension, I wouldn't be investing in it. <laughs> but it's literally a bit of fun. Like, I mean, like, there was, you can invest. Like, I remember initially when I put it into one particular currency, I put it at 500 quid or something like that. Within, like, a month, it was up to, like, three and a half grand. You see, I'm looking at you going, you fucking bananas. Like, you know, even to put that kind of money in. But it's like that thing, as you said, a fiver coming, whatever it's worth, whatever big money it's worth. If someone walked up to me on the street and said, here, give me a fiver, I'm going to turn it into... Even I'm going to turn it into 500 quid. I'd be yeah, like, yeah. get away from me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there is value. Like, I mean, I'm up by a distance. Yeah. More so than I ever would if I was gambling. And would you or cash out or would you leave it there? Oh, no, I'm leaving it there. Just just see, that's it. Oh, no, cash me out, Sid. <laughs> no, because, no, because that takes away from the... It's literally a game. If it, it's, a, it's a game yeah. almost. Like, Jimmy, it's not... There's no... It's not like a stock where... For me, anyway, it's not a stock where... You're looking at what's coming down the line in terms of new product development, consumer trends, all that kind of, Like if you take Roblox, for example. Roblox is a stock, which I own, because I like the idea of Roblox and that it's kind of, um, it's a, it's user-generated content, which is all Gen Z and all that kind, of, that kind of side of things without going into it. With cryptocurrency, one, I don't understand it that well at all. <laughs> and I'm convinced that no one really understands That's it that it, well. Like, no. um, and... But yet, it is generating happens. a huge amount of value. Like, um, and it wouldn't surprise. Again, there are people out there who become millionaires on the base of investing a few thousand into in nothing, nothing, like, in nothing. Yeah. So it's an incredible story if you look at it in those in those kind of ways. Like, you know, yeah. No, I just, I, I really, it actually confuses me. I don't get it. Like, and I no, it is, no confu- it is confusing. I have to say, I've tried to educate myself. I've tried to understand it. I get it a bit. But to me, it all comes back to put my marketing hat on. There is more... How can I describe it? If you take a stock, right? There is obviously the story that comes with the business, the founder, their vision and stuff like yeah. that. And that does impact on the stock. You see with Tesla. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see it with Airbnb. They're losing money every year. But there is an intrinsic value ultimately in the technology um, and the brand and the consumers that they're after cultivating you can measure all of this stuff and you can see I understand why that stock is worth this and why it may go up or why it may go down with the cryptocurrency stuff my opinion is that it's 90% marketing and story and spin and call it a fad or consumer engagement in it and only 10% of it is down to the technology and that's not saying the technology isn't good but it's that people don't understand it. Mm. And therefore, as more people are investing in it, because you hear these stories, like I'm saying now, 
that's increasing the value of the stock and it could and the thing is as well with with something like an airbnb airbnb is never going to go to zero because there's some intrinsic value there with something like a dogecoin it could go to zero overnight if, on, the, if, on the back if, of a tweet on the back of something yeah exactly like you know what i mean like if there was any kind of a, like if there's a data breach you say it's an unre- it's a it's a it's um everything is um everything is secured with mm. all these cryptocurrencies that's one of the benefits of them if there's any data breach at all i don't know how that would happen i don't even know if it's possible if there was but that's the thing like data breach on who on what yeah, yeah, no, that's not like who actually like, has yeah. this. Like, yeah, yeah, that's no. what I just don't. No, care. it is a fa- I have to say, it is a fascinating. It's a fascinating story, but it goes down to the, the GameStop stuff that we ran about a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Do you know what I mean? People pumping stocks artificially. People know there's no intrinsic value in fucking GameStop <laughs> of all places, but again, people making a huge amount of money of it. And again, it comes back to this whole idea of the wisdom of crowds. Mm. And sheep. once you have, well, you can call it sheep. You can call it like yeah. the, the sheep are making a hell of a lot of bloody they money are, at the yeah. moment, <laughs> you know. So them. there's 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 a wisdom of oh, crowds that now more sheep so. In the family. <laughs> exactly, that's it, yeah. But um, they're with the again social media, yeah. and Reddit, all these things. It gives consumers quite a lot of power to manipulate yeah. markets, and that's exciting in one way, but it's also very very dangerous because as with all these things, people are going to lose out. You can't. Everyone can't win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Moving on myself, something that I do understand is social media. <laughs> so Twitter. Fucking well, uh, dumb down the conversation. Dumb down the conversation fairly quick there now because I'm getting out my dip. No, uh, Twitter this week. Um, it was actually pretty big news for their for their the way they operate. They got rid of the whole crop of a picture. Did you see yeah, that, I saw crop that video? Yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of got a big bit of news. It was trending the whole lot. Like you know, I think actually anyone that's in our space in terms of content creation, um, was pretty happy about this. Did see a lot of people saying still not an edit button though. All we want is an edit button. We didn't ask for crops. We just want an edit button to edit yeah, the tweet. Yeah, see the problem. It to me, it's another like because I was talking. So talking for anyone that doesn't know what we're on about, basically, uh, Twitter for as far as as long as I can remember, basically they if you put up a picture, they literally kind of cropped it all. So it's horizontal, horizontal, but yeah. very very slim. It wasn't you know it wasn't square. It wasn't nothing mm. like that. It was very very slim. Um, I don't have the technical dimensions for it, but um. But the worst thing about it was is you like if you put up something on Instagram or YouTube or anything, um, you can kind of sometimes on some of the platforms you can choose where the thumbnail what it shows if it's a bigger picture in yeah. the background. With Twitter, you couldn't, and sometimes awkwardly cropping, cropping stuff. It's gotten people you into were trouble. Waiting to post until you saw what it looked. Yeah, like and that's the problem. Then you're taking it down quickly and maybe slightly cropping it a bit more to fit. But basically, yeah, it would kind of awkwardly crop it but now it's showing the full length picture which is great um it's really it's really really good but yeah as i said an edit button is what a lot of people are still looking for yeah on see, it makes sense the problem is is that ultimately so i operate under the assumption that the majority of people don't click on the photographs on twitter which they don't right so therefore you need it to still fit in that in that in horizontal yeah. space and like it, it does provide a huge opportunity for designers because it's kind of like oh yeah click on this and then it gives you more information yeah. or whatever the story is but ultimately if you have any information not photographs no but actual information it still needs to fit into that block otherwise it's going to look crap right so it's an opportunity i think designers are typically happy enough with it but it's another for me i'm kind of looking oh fuck it's not a thing now that i have to fucking deal with <laughs> it was not new, thankfully it's not anymore because even when we're doing the the stuff every week for this we create a portrait one for stories linkedin stories yeah. Um, we create the square one for Instagram, um, and then depending on how it looks or whatever, we create the we do create the one specifically, literally specifically for Twitter, the the horizontal one with the dimensions in there, and we because we we noticed at the start when we just started, you know, look, we create a port a portrait one, we create um a, a landscape one, and you know we were putting out and it was just cropping horrible, just didn't look great, so everyone has that problem when they're coming to putting content on twitter yeah, so do, now yeah, that's gone do. like you know so we can literally cut down our workload each week dave <laughs> you can you can cut down your workload i fucking hate design ah oh, it drives me up the wall but they're also look they're, they're they're trying to they're trying to overall improve how people consume media on twitter so they're also actually testing at the moment um uploading 4k images because they weren't allowing that high quality image up before so they're testing that now as well and just their overall experience they're trying out and in terms of twitter i actually got involved as more so listening to we've talked about a couple of times now about twitter spaces the yeah. the audio feature i was invited actually to something there the other day i didn't want to it 
You're very, you're very kind, you. Know. Um, no, I was in Twitter. Said, would you oh, right, experiment okay. with? I wasn't invited. Gonna fuck off. I just going to hope they're not listening to this. But um, no, I, I listened into a marketing talk there during the week, and it was kind of between two people. But what was really interesting, it was like, oh, if anyone else wants to speak, let me know. I'll, I'll give you access, and you know, and you're seeing people. But it's actually, I think, algorithm-wise, at the moment, it's given a lot of. Um, it's been very open with. It's given a lot of uh, reach to spaces because if you go on if there's any conversations happening it's up there at the very top in the stories section so um it's just really interesting it's a new way of doing like especially with COVID and stuff at the moment doing kind of a conference or do you know a kind of a live chat and live talk you know it's actually it's yeah I think no it's i'm really, planning really on looking at me clubhouse it was be dead in the water already well, um dead on arrival yeah. um and again, it shows you the power of these platforms, right? I would kind of, in my mind, and even though there is a Twitter Spaces, and I get the idea of having like there is an advantage of having everything to one platform, but I did kind of like the idea of having a separate platform for just the audio stuff. Like I haven't really engaged with Space because it is in the story section at the top, right? But it's not easy to find things. Was Clubhouse was better for that? It was I more set up Clubhouse, for yeah. it was it was set up better for an audio experience. Twitter is kind of a very very dumbed down beta version of that. But I think I think I like how it's set up because it is so simplistic and so look it is what it is. Go in, listen, chat, request to talk, a little bit of reactions there for emojis or whatever, um, and that's it. Do you know it's it's nice and simple. Don't overcomplicate it, like. Yeah, but even but like for like what I liked about Clubhouse that you could follow certain people, and the idea was is that you wouldn't have you wouldn't follow thousands of people mm. because that you're not going to listen to all this audio content. Whereas now, if it's linked to Twitter. There are certain people. I'd like a situation whereby you could go in and you could follow people specifically for what they're talking about. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So if I take um, so to, to a marketing expert, Gary Vaynerchuk yeah. or something like that, I could say I want to get notifications when Gary Vaynerchuk is doing a Twitter Spaces. Yes. Whereas at the moment, it's all the one. It's all just built into the one it inherent is, yeah. platform. Yeah. So I don't. Again, it's. It, I think Clubhouse dead on arrival makes absolute perfect sense just on the basis of um just on the basis of um of uh, they didn't have the firepower that Twitter or any of these other kind of social platforms no, had but like um, what we talked about um, Airbnb there like you know anyone that comes into the market when you're going up against these you're going to need some serious backing behind it, like yeah yeah uh, staying on social um we talked about this as well a few weeks back but the Guardian done a piece this week and they called it the social media site that nobody asked for. And it was going. It was talking about the Instagram for kids. Um, oh, we talked about it a few times now, but bags. the reason why it was brought back up is just there a few days ago. The Attorney General in the US actually um, sent a letter to Mark Zuckerberg demanding that he abandons the plan. That they're after seriously looking into it, and they they want it all scrapped. Good. Um, yeah, we've talked about it here. I I I know disagreements with that. I suppose. Do you know? I I don't think like you know it's under thirteen. Thirteen is what's allowed on Instagram. He is like, a fucking menace. <laughs> but basically, they, they Facebook came back and they argued that it's better to have dedicated spaces for children to stop them lying to get on adult sites where there is no parental oversight. And the statement they released was, we want to improve the situation by delivering experiences that give parents visibility and control over what their kids are doing. Absolute bullshit. Number of reasons. One, if you... When you were a young person, for example, which you're not <laughs> fucking anymore, what was the... What was, Again, this is before now kids watching before fucking Facebook and yeah. Twitter and all the rest of it. What was the one thing that you and your mates would probably try and do a few times a month? Get into a fucking 18s movie in the cinema. Like, that was a big <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. You, because you weren't allowed to get yeah. in and it was almost a challenge to kind of is, rough yeah. your way to get the fucking tip. The same thing. If you create something specifically for kids, kids don't like being, particularly between the ages of like, we say nine, yeah. maybe ten but onwards. The fact that they don't want to be identified kids, as kids. Yes, yes. So therefore, they're going to do this anyway. Secondly, it is complete gateway drug getting them hooked onto it yes. straight away. There is no control for the parents because the parents don't understand these platforms anyway. Um, and beyond that, this kind of idea of that, oh yeah, it's better for them to become a little bit depressed and a little bit self-conscious earlier in their lives... Like, they should be enforcing controls. If they are saying that, oh, it's better for them to, or the lying to get on adult platforms, then why don't you police the adult platform and make sure the kids can't fucking yes, get on it? True. So they're taking the easy way out, which is better for their brand. Shock, that's what they're going to do. Um, Following on with literally what you just said there, there's another piece there that I saw during the week that was actually TDs here in Ireland. Um, they've, after 
arguing uh, some of them that people need should ha- need um, proof of ID when they're setting up a social media account. Yeah, I, I am, and I, the longer this goes on, I think that is what needs to happen. We do it with gambling sites. You do it even with some alcohol um, apps and stuff like that. There's a huge amount of um, uh, admin work with it. There's a huge amount of costs associated with that. But guess what? Facebook, one of the most wealthiest companies in the they world. They can afford they a few people looking at this. <laughs> exactly. Um, increase their censorship. Make sure every account is verified. Um, make sure there's no anonymity at all and people are held to account. That's what they said. That's what needs to happen. They're arguing the social media platforms must be regulated in the same way as publishers such as newspapers and other media. Yeah. For the, exactly the reasons you said there. Basically, the anonymity towards... like people coming out with racism or hate speech or yeah, whatever it is absolutely you know? um especially in the last week this is amplified now with everything that's been going on over in palestine and all this kind of stuff like you know it's been raving all through social media so oh yeah uh, no p- p- no there, there is we are at it there, there is a point uh, there's a theory behind the camera the theory off the top of my head there is a point in time whereby humans basically can't cope with technology and how it has advanced we don't mm. understand it we still do not understand the impact social media is having on kids ourselves yeah. and again we're very like and i'm probably very bad for this where i say oh it's impacting upon the young people it's impacting upon fucking adults as well big oh, time huge. um so like we don't understand really um what the impact of this is going to be and we probably won't know the impact of it for 20 years like in 20 years time the history books could read can you imagine for upwards of a decade they allowed this platform called facebook to basically rule the world, rule the world and have yeah. no regulation associated with what whatsoever that's what's possibly going to happen and, and it had impacts on currency fluctuations stocks votes. fucking votes election and no one did anything about it like it's in it if you look at it from that lens or that prism it is absolutely insane it's good that regulators are starting to maybe pay a bit of attention to it but they need to actually fucking do something about mm. it um, and I'm not really seeing that at the moment. This whole thing about Instagram for kids. So um, they had Messenger for kids. You know, it was first brought oh, out from I Facebook. Talking, yeah. That got into a bit of trouble because, like everything, is technology. There's ways to break it. So, like, people that were not meant to be on it, we say, were getting onto it. And it was causing issues. So now they've kind of cracked down on that. But to basically get this Instagram for, for kids up and running, they've actually hired the, the guy that was behind um, YouTube Kids. Um, that who launched that whole platform you know that kind of safety protocols mm. and that they've actually hired him to, to come on board to help launch it I don't know a huge amount about YouTube kids to be honest with you, no either do I but, but I do know it's it is you know it's so when you upload um anything to YouTube there is a section now right you upload anything to YouTube there's a section there that says is this made for kids yes or no if you click that oh well there's no possibility that, <laughs> know, that could yeah. cause issues there's probably more to do with the, the YouTube for kids yeah. but basically if you're putting up from from our point of view you're throwing up an ad if you say yes it's made for kids you can't I think if I'm right in saying this now just from from because I don't normally do it but you won't let you do the whole um, the clips at the end you know in terms of oh ad sense so no matter what it's always no it's not made for kids now to be fair okay youtube is a social media platform technically but it's not to the same degree that facebook is uh not a communication platform yeah no say. it's yeah. not and it's not made like okay users generate content but it's limited like a lot more people consume youtube that aren't creators mm-hmm. whereas the majority of people on social media are creators even in a wage or they post something like yeah. even if it's not a lot so like i look there's a different look maybe he'll do a great job I don't fucking know but I mean ultimately to me that just sounds like there's no plan and if they're I have no faith in a company to sort out this problem when their solutions thus far have been messenger for kids Instagram for kids will create a new platform which creates its whole new other complexity of problems rather than dealing with the issues with the platform that we currently have. Mm-hmm. And that's a strategic decision that Facebook have taken, which shows that they don't, they do not care about it. Um, it's putting bandages over what a very, very big problem. Again, I think it's very, very clear. They're not going to solve the problem. The US government need to go in and tell Facebook that we are either taking control or we're regulating you heavily. And the same for every social media platform going forward um, and putting a huge amount of controls around that. And, I know we have a couple of possibly guests lined up in the next couple of weeks that would be less negative than I possibly would in terms of social media, technology, its impact and so on and so forth. Um, so that'll be an interesting conversation. 
But look, from the research that's been conducted, um, from just basic common sense and seeing this technology and how it works, it's very, very dangerous and it's yeah. not getting better. Yeah, I do think that that is definitely an area that needs to be looked at in terms of uh, providing ID on sign up or some sort of verification. Simple. It's it is very. They simple. do it. Paddy Power do it. Yeah. All the gambling sites do it. Revolut do it as well. Why they ask Revolut you for a selfie it? and back it up with uh, some sort of form of ID. Exactly. Yeah. Just do verify every single account. Yeah. Yes, you will have to verify one point whatever billion of account. So what? Yeah. You probably won't because a lot of people won't engage then. Mm-hmm. We don't want racist Mary on the platform. She's not willing to verify her account. Fine. Let anyone that you know knows anyone that has a bit of brains with us. It yeah. takes less than five minutes to set up a brand new account in the morning. If within you know. the next twelve months. Just see, she come out this week, isn't it? About um. Was a TD? I can't. Was a TDs here or members of government over in in the UK? I can't remember who it was, but basically that they were involved in hate speech accounts on Twitter and all Probably, this kind of yeah. stuff. Like, Probably, you know, but getting involved in you know whatever was going on. But like it's like that. Like it's so easy just to set up a fake account. It is simple. And look, let's let's bring this up. You mentioned Revolut. You mentioned Paddy Power. You mentioned all these kind of things, right? Within the next twelve months, we are going to vaccinate the planet pretty much mm-hmm. against a global pandemic. If we can vaccinate the planet and we have the human capacity to create a vaccine, multiple vaccines, vaccinate the planet in a very, very short space of time, we can find a way to verify accounts <laughs> on social media. We'll have to set up a campaign. Yeah, have the fucking, <laughs> just have the fucking political willpower to do it and then yeah. just do it. But the problem is they've been talking about this for so long. Um, call hashtag vaccinate Facebook. Hashtag vaccinate Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's fucking great. We're starting it here. You heard Hash- it here first, guys. Hashtag last. vaccinate Facebook. Our dozens of followers are going to start yeah. a worldwide campaign. That's it. We get Elon Musk to tweet about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fucking that and doggy kind. Um, but again, it's actually interesting because I'm actually working on a paper at the moment um, inside in UCC and around the university that I work for. And the um, we're looking at different generations and how different generations use technology and how that impacts upon conventional norms and values shall we say mm-hmm. and there's a few things that we've just come up with um over the last kind of the last kind of couple of months when we've been doing this research so one gen z in particular um and i don't like prescribing you know layers, layers stuff, yeah. to generation but look let's just do it for the purpose of this conversation um that generation has the ability to disconnect a mm-hmm. lot more than we would and what I mean by that is that if, if back in the day if we were playing Crash Bandicoot on PlayStation, what an incredible game by the way. Yeah. Um, you never assimilated your identity into Crash Bandicoot. You didn't think that you were Crash Bandicoot. You were playing the you. character of. Now people are playing Fortnite or whatever game World of Warcraft, and they're assimilating their own identity into those characters, and they're investing in those characters. So therefore, if you're you don't like your work, you don't like your job, you don't like school, you don't like whatever, you disconnect from that real world reality and you assimilate it this into is, this, this is, other this character. This is my world where this I'm comfortable. My, this is my world. And like, th- there's nothing wrong with that, but I think there is a question to be at. Like it is a bit, I find it a bit weird and maybe I'm just old fashioned. Um, but I do find it a bit weird where people invest more in their digital identity than they do in their real world identity. That, that can't, over a short period of time, two three four five years even that can be very very healthy but as you get older and you have to disconnect from these characters that then presents a huge issue you know there's two things that popped up i was only talking to someone um during the week that's big into online gaming um with you know ps playstation or whatever it is and they'd be doing you know whatever game i'm not into it myself with the likes of battlefront and modern warfare and all these kind of shooting games action games but they were telling me that you know they they go on they obviously haven't um a sort of anonymous um, avatar, you know, person, picture, name, whatever it is, but they actually, uh, no, I don't know this person too well as well, but they were actually saying, like, you know, that they do voice change as well on their voice when they're talking. Oh, you can manipulate every aspect of so your, yourself. So they totally like, made themselves, yeah. as you just said, a totally different person. Uh, and the second thing that popped up there is when you talk about, like, you know, stepping away and, and disengaging with certain platforms. If you talk to, say, people that are kind of after launching themselves on social media in, we'll say, the last two years, the amount of them that are not on Facebook, that, you know, they might not, not never really set up on Facebook. Some of them nowadays probably might not even be going on to Snapchat. It's gone to that mm. level now. But if you ask anyone of our age, are, do we use Facebook? No, jeez, I fucking hate it. You know, it's pain. Hey, would you get rid of it? Oh, no, I couldn't do that. Do you know, it's become part of what we do now. We can't yeah. step away from that because... 
that we'll say that fear of missing out kind of FOMO kind of thing we won't want to step away from it whereas people going on to it now they, they're a little bit more not that they're clued in but they, they'll go to the platforms they're liking they'll stay with it until something else comes and then they'll, get, they'll literally get rid of that platform whereas we now are all stuck with whatever five six different platforms yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. across them all you know which is interesting like you know Facebook you're across Facebook Instagram and you're connected to the same people you're seeing the same people's content on different platforms it's just it's part of what we have grown up with now but that affirmation then is again different right because before you'd look for affirmation off of your four or five mates or whatever the story was mm-hmm. now you're looking for affirmation from everyone kind of a thing yeah. and the affirmation isn't as deep but it's bro- it's broader like likes from 100 people better than a compliment from one which doesn't make any sense do you mm-hmm. know what I mean so the, the and that's actually when you talk about likes there Instagram last week actually where, where um, they launched a survey on the platform that popped up that should we bring back likes the like um like showing numbers, the like, showing yeah, the like yeah, numbers yeah. Um, I was straight away no don't bring them back much better the way it is now you can go on desktop and you can see it and there's ways around it but I there's been no talk about that in the last 12 24 months however long it's been gone of people wishing they had the likes you know from, from our game when it first happened there was a big thing around oh jeez how are we going to do the influencer marketing thing how are we going to yeah. do this you know when it wasn't the way it is now but um, it was actually interesting that they launched it again during the week to see would people be well, interested for bra- in those see, for back. brands it's different but still if you're talking about, and again we're talking I'm not talking about influencers here kid influencers or mm-hmm. people. I'm talking about people posting up whatever photo photo of your new fucking dog or whatever the yeah. story is it doesn't like there's the volume of likes yeah fine but people are still clicking in and going oh who is like this do you know yeah yeah do you know yeah, what I mean yeah, so yeah. there's that you can give well, it a quick scroll you kind of get a gauge yeah yeah, yeah exactly launch. like so it's it's a uh, it's it's still it's it's again it's trying to understand and we don't yet i'm not saying this is going to be a revolutionary study or anything like that but it's looking at some of the different social norms that we have in terms of how we how we interact how we play how we do whatever and how we build relationships and then looking at how technology has impacted upon that and how it could possibly be exaggerated because we're only we're in the start of this do you know what i mean it's not even like Facebook is only around what ten years. Like you can't mm. see the impact of that for 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 many many years to come. So that's going to be very very interesting. Um, beyond there was other things then as well, communication. Um, in terms of like quick thinking, conversational skills. If you are predominantly communicating with people over a messaging service, you can edit and you can think about what you're going to respond with. Mm-hmm. If you're talking with someone, it's bitch, you can't do that. No, do you know what I mean? So you need to have that immediate um that immediate um, interaction we can see it as well people and look maybe this is a bad thing or a good thing but I mean like people not being able to take criticism that type of thing because again everything is fluffy and fucking unicornish on a social media on a social media yeah. platform so no I just think look ultimately this comes down to the regulators there is an element of the horses bolted about this whole thing but they need to do something quickly because they've been talking about this for years yeah. you know um, so yeah it's interesting we have to do we have to put a hiatus on because every week we come back to this topic I know Max Zuckerberg well, being a something's fucking coming up every bollocks. week yeah, that's yeah. the thing like, yeah. you know? um, but yeah hashtag vaccinate Facebook vaccinate Facebook I, li- I think that's good I think that's a good if we had any following whatsoever <laughs> that could take off <laughs> yeah, yeah that one, and our, our millions in the bank with the, the cryptocurrencies yeah. that's it yeah we <laughs> fuck's sake move on what else have you got for this week um Kind of actually moving, moving. It's an area of it's an area of interest to me. I know it's an area of interest to you as well. Of like people who hire and you hire different generations mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So the vice president or the global vice president for Stella Artois, or Stella Artois, um, Stella, Stella, um, <laughs> Tim Oviedo came out during the week and he was talking about the different generations and how you need to treat different generations where they're being hired in into, into marketing roles mm-hmm. so he basically said that a controlling style of management and leadership leads to compliance which is what you need in certain roles but it also leads to um, disengagement or lack of engagement from your um, from your employees and what he basically said is that and he was speaking about um, Gen Z and younger um, workers in particular he was said that this demographic were more likely to respond well to flexibility and autonomy and it was going to help drive what he described as an ownership mentality amongst people and their jobs and the brands that they're looking to cultivate and stuff like that um, and I thought that is quite I thought that was quite interesting people looking for different freedoms in the workplace and their careers and it wasn't necessarily about it wasn't necessarily about people who are more lazy or anything mm-hmm. like that. He was just saying that people, if you want them 
if you want them to invest in your company you need to give them the opportunity and the freedom to invest in your brand themselves and have their own stamp on things and then you are ultimately going to have more effective employees and i thought it was it's it's an interesting um it's an interesting slant shall we say and he basically said that look marketing in and of itself is still going through a bit of an identity crisis and there's been a complete change to things like advertising models and business models are changing with the growth of streaming e-commerce blah 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 and and he just felt that with younger generations that look at the world far differently to their older counterparts who would be in CMO roles and director roles Mm -hmm. and stuff like that that there needs to be an entirely new approach to how marketing is cultivated from a team's perspective within organizations i just thought it's 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 an interesting conversation to be had i think, I think. this this whole thing i think look we could probably do one purely maybe with someday with someone maybe in hr or something like that around yeah. this whole working from home thing but the whole idea of appreciating freedom or appreciating you know that um a boss is giving you a bit of you know flexibility to work at home or whatever it is i think does that happen does that appreciation come from someone that's just out of college or flip it on its head they've been working for a company or any company for 10 years 15 years they've been in the workplace and next thing they're getting the flexibility do you know what you drop the kids to school start at 10 o'clock go till 10 to 6 or you know don't don't work on a thursday look it's hard for you get the job done over the weekend whatever it is do you know work later as yeah, long as the, the job the, is be, done the, be, the benchmark changes for every generation basically yeah. and that so impacts think, upon how you like how you view things if you someone comes into a corporate company of whatever we'll say 200 people in an office block next thing you give 20 of those are starting next week they're all 20 uh fresh out of college you know um coming straight in will they appreciate the level of flexibility that they're getting or will they take the piss with it if they're not used to the workforce and, that, and that's a good question we don't the answer to it. i think there's, there's there's two things here i think there's operational flexibility when you start work how you start i look realistically speaking anyone who's been in a social media management role it's not nine to five like it's fun no it's, it's a, it's a yeah. catastrophe to be honest which mm-hmm. i can like, did those roles before never again um but like I think there's a difference in operational flexibility again in terms of your starting hours do you need to clock in clock out all that kind of yeah. stuff but then also the freedom and autonomy you have in terms of the work that you do in and of itself mm. so your ability to go off and um, and create certain types of content as long as it's within the confines of a strategy or brand mm-hmm. guidelines but how much flexibility do you need or do you have to run everything up the fucking channel do you know what I mean yeah. so I think there's there's kind of two there's two things going on here there's the operational flexibility but then also the kind of the approach to how ideas are cultivated and implemented and executed within organizations because like when it comes to idea creation and you know brainstorming there's nothing better than being in a room with a few people a whiteboard on the wall and just trashing out ideas for an hour or two you know and we've done those sessions before with businesses um, that we've been working with and there's nothing better you cannot do that online and you can't do it by yourself is no. the main thing no I think I, like, I, I always find it's much better when I'm talking to people you come up with a bit more ideas mm. when you can trash because someone will say something or you'll say something and they'll bounce back off you, yeah. you know? and I just think that's the way the best for me personally like you know some people are better off locked in a dark room on their own to come up with ideas you know but for me personally and probably you as well you're much better bouncing ideas off people. But that needs to be empowered as well. So like what I often found is that, and this is again, the positive and negative of, of group work. So if you take a group and I've seen it happen so many occasions where you get a management team in a room or a group of marketers, it doesn't matter who they are. And they come up with an idea and the majority of the meeting is spent trying to convince themselves that a terrible idea is actually a good one. Yeah, yeah. So there's, I think there, there has to be within that, a safe space whereby if you have let's say a group of grey-haired men shall we say and they come up with an idea and this is what we go after and you have a a, a gen z marketer in the room mm-hmm. them being empowered enough to say lad you're talking shite yeah. this is not going to work for those reasons whereas again and i think that's what the, the the freedom bit comes in is that you need to you need to somehow create a culture of people being willing to be disruptive but not to the point whereby it's chaotic, you know? And that's a fine balance between the two. Like, you'll have some people who just say, oh, every idea is fucking terrible. You'll have other people who say, oh, every idea is great. So 
getting that balance between again the generation some again the business model the strategy side of things with the execution the ideas and the campaign kind of side of things i think that's a very very interesting and again i think like it, it's it's not something that i would say that i know a huge amount about or that that i would be specialist in um but it would be interesting to get someone in to actually talk about that and the and with marketing in particular because it's well, a creative we've, space we've done it like where we've been in meetings before these kind of creative sessions we'll say and either you or me will take almost sometimes it's a referee role nearly yeah, but yeah. like you know that kind of um what's the word i'm looking for kind of chair not a chair kind of role but you know kind of managing the meeting um and and just making sure it flows nice and i think that's where you know people like us kind of come in handy with that because you're kind of seeing it from both sides if that makes sense you know which is and you're just kind of able to guide the conversations to know look what are you saying there you know and i think any organization that is going down the route of doing these kind of empowering you know they're thinking about right how are we going to manage the team how are we going to get ideas out having good creative session days whether look obviously it has to be online nowadays but having the creative session days and looking at someone to to be a voice in the room that kind of manages it and, yeah you know, and kind of brings everyone along yeah I, I think i think and i think you're right but i think ultimately it comes down to culture like I, i've seen it where and it, the difference is stark like if you go into small organizations relatively small let's say they're turning over five ten million a year hypothetically um small marketing team let's say two two, two three yeah. people let's never say. more than they're, five they're, really, yeah. yeah and there's the owner and the boss and the small management team and they're all kind of closely knit and that culture kind of naturally emerges and therefore they're they don't mind you know, criticizing ideas or coming mm-hmm. forward with their own they're empowered naturally within those organizations and i would say that more often than not in smes if you've got a good strong ceo um and good founders there that kind of culture is typically nurtured mm-hmm. um you go into a corporate environment yeah. and the energy is just sucked out of the room and i've seen it with people people who are some of the best students that i've ever come across go into a corporate organization and all of a sudden they're a shell of themselves within 12 months because they're not empowered or given the freedoms or the autonomy and if they're not given the freedoms and the autonomy they won't feel like they have ownership and they don't feel like they're contributing and therefore they don't care effectively it becomes they don't a, care and they don't move up the it ladder be, it becomes a checkbook job where mm-hmm. you're just doing it for the pay as opposed to doing it because because you want to get onto your next job like do you know what I mean like I'd always say to my crew first job that you get is not going to be the job that you want second job that you're going to get is not the job that you want but every job should be seen as a stepping stone in mm-hmm. a certain direction and for you to have that mentality of buying into building your own portfolio almost over a kind of a period of time is something that you need to do. But again, organizations need to give you the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. It can't just, you can't just force your organization to behave in a certain way, you know, no matter how good you are. No, it's good. I think we definitely, yeah, we might look at trying to get someone in on that whole kind of workspace and that kind of even the working from home thing as well. It's living kind of at work. Living at work, yeah, living at work. Was there anything else for you? I'm kind of out of news, I suppose. I think week. that's kind. Of, no, I think that's a. I think that's probably a good enough way to end. I've got a few other bits and pieces, but Eric, you know what? Yeah, I'm sick of you. As well. <laughs> Go home and play with your dog. I will and, do. and interview some for your other podcast. Are <laughs> oh, you giving the plug? Are you? Come on, right? We we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. Talk to you next week. Yeah, guys.